way um, for my testimony, but it's pretty neat to be able to say that, um, to think about this guy who actually lost his entire family and to be able to say that everything was well with his soul, that as long as his faith was strong and he had a firm foundation that he'd be all right. And I know for a long time in my life I couldn't say that. Um, For most of my life, actually, I couldn't say that. That wasn't God's fault, and it probably wasn't my own. It was just circumstances. Um, I was born into a really religious family. Are there any Lutherans in the crowd tonight? Um, Yeah, I had the whole Lutheran thing going on. In fact, uh, my mom drug me to church every Sunday, and that's not hyperbole. I mean, I'm the only kid, I think, on the planet who's got a 10-year perfect attendance pin, Um, which is pretty neat. By um, eighth grade, by the time it was uh, time for First Communion, I could recite all the creeds and hymns backwards and forwards. I knew the books of the Bible. And um, in fact, I was even playing, you you don't know this, but I was actually playing trombone. Um, If you can put your mind around this, wrap your melon around it, it's kind of hard. But I was playing trombone in eighth grade for our Missouri Senate Lutheran Church Choir, which consisted of a choir, a keyboard player, a bass player, and me on trombone. (laughs) I have no idea how that church grew. Um, But anyway, all all of that stuff was up here. And for me, my faith and my religion and the extent of my relationship with God was the ability to recite somebody else's else's mythology. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I had no understanding of Christ as my personal Savior. I had no understanding of the Bible as the living, breathing Word of God. I just knew it like a person would know chemistry or biology. I had the ability to recite. I had the ability to come with rote memorization to all of this stuff, but I had no idea how it applied in my life. And I certainly didn't understand that it was so simple that I didn't need to know all of that stuff. Um, That for me and for all of us, that God wants the connection to be direct, not to be memorization. And so... None of that stuff stood up to the test of time. By the time I was in high school, I was a full-blown atheist. Not like an agnostic, right? Not like, oh, well, there might be a God, there might not. But like, if you believe in Christ, I feel really sorry for you because, man, it's got to suck to have a crutch like that. And um, that made sense in my head, remember? Because I was thinking with my head, not with my heart. And the way that wrote itself out it was by the time I was 25, I was, I mean, quote Nietzsche, um, loved the idea that I was so much smarter than the rest of the humanity out there because I knew that this was all a lie. And the result of that was by the time I was 25, I was divorced. Um, the career that was supposed to be the, the, the golden ticket um, decided to cut 60% of the workforce, and I found myself without a wife, without a job, not really knowing what would happen with my two-year-old daughter. And so I did what any person would do is I bought a plane ticket to Spain and, and, and tried to get away and hit a reset button on my life. And um, when I went over there into Spain, I, I had no intention of trying to find God. I was just trying to find myself. Um, and one night, I ended up sitting in a bar in a little town called Santo Domingo de Silos, had no intention of being there, had no idea what Santo Domingo de Silos was all about. It's this old monastery town. Um, but that afternoon, I'd been robbed. I was an idiot. Um, whenever you're traveling, if you have a rental car, don't put your backpack with your passport, your plane tickets, your credit cards, your wallet, your cash in the backseat of your car so that anybody who's 
walking by, as you're parked by a cathedral that's one of the tourist stops, right? Because um, it's really easy to break windows on these Ibiza cars. And um, when I came back, the windows were broken and my backpack was gone. My first thought was, oh, man, that's all my film. And then I thought, well, there's all the rest of my stuff, too. And in that moment, I sent up, I, I went back to that Lutheran heritage, and I sent up a prayer to God, and I said, oh, man, you got to help me out. I'm totally hosed on this. And he listened. And ten minutes later, I had a federal police officer coming from an alleyway with my backpack, and it was pretty amazing. Every, there was maybe $100, $200 worth of cash gone. Everything else was there. And I went, whoa, sweet, thanks, man. Cash the check and kind of met on my merry way, um, which I think a lot of us do. We rely on God um, when we need him, and then he comes through, and then we keep on moving on. And um, that wasn't good enough for him that day. He decided that he wanted to get my attention. So when I went up, and I, I wasn't planning on being in the small town. And I'm sitting there journaling, because I love to journal, and you know, whenever you're deep into yourself, you want to write down all your thoughts. Um, um, so I was sitting there journaling in the bar, and the, the bartender came over, and he said, Hey, man, you should go to the monastery. The monks are going to sing at 7 o'clock. And I thought, sweet, another tourist attraction is on market off my list. And so I, uh, I, I went to the monastery. And you have to remember, in Spain, like all the cathedrals are just these gold-inlaid, silver-encrusted things that are not personal. And I went to the monastery expecting the same thing. I expected some kind of tourist attraction. What I walked into was a, a bare monastery that had been standing there for a 1,000 years. And there was nothing on the walls except a crucifix. And these monks shuffled in. I was walking into their church service. Um, I was alone. I was the only person in that building except for the monks. And as they started chanting, I realized that everything in my life and everything in that day had brought me to that point in that monastery. If my car hadn't been robbed, I wouldn't be there. I would have been in Segovia. And... As I sat there, all of that stuff kind of washed over me. You know, I, I realized that if everything in that day had brought me to that, to that monastery, then everything in my life had brought me to that day. And it became plausible for me to realize that if everything in my life had brought me to that day, that something that happened 2,000 years ago could ripple throughout history to touch my life that day. And... I like to think that all revolutions aren't instantaneous, but at that moment, it became a point forward. I realized it, it hit in my heart what faith was, that there's something that I can't wrap my mind around, that I can't explain, that I can't defend, that my atheist friends would laugh at, but here's something that's in me now where I know that God's actuating through my life. And it took a lot longer for me to get to the point where I could come before you today and say that I believe that Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. But it started the train rolling. And um, that's pretty cool. It's, it's pretty neat to be able to have that be the bedrock of faith and have that be the bedrock that says, if all this other stuff happens, I know it will be well with my soul because I got a guy who thinks I'm neat and wants to be a part of my life, serving as that bedrock in my life. So... Anyway, that's my story. Thanks. Here at Antioch with my husband, Tom, and our middle son, Kevin, attends here as well. And 
Today, what I wanted to share was just a little aspect of my life. Um, I think the songs have been talking about how wonderful and glorious our God is. I loved hearing J.C.'s story about how uh, the unique way that God used to remind him that he is real. And uh, I want to share just about the unique way that God, um, in my life, taught me how to be a submissive wife guy. <laughs> I don't know if Tom was standing in the living room talking to me when I wasn't there, but he, he was praying. I do know that. I was raised um, in a Christian family, very um, um, a very legalistic um, and authoritarian, a lot of rules kind of Christian family. But I did fall in love with Jesus when I was a little girl and wanted to be a follower of Christ, but I didn't really know how to do that. I knew how to make Jesus my Savior, but I didn't know how to make him my Lord. And it wasn't until I was 18 years old and in college that I began to realize that if I continued going the way I was going, doing my own thing, that I was going to screw my life up royally. So I went up to the chapel and I prayed and I said, Lord, I need for you to take over my life, but I don't really know what that's going to look like. And God knew I was serious. And I really didn't see a change for the next two years. But after Tom and I were married, two years later, and we were in Germany because Tom is in the military, we got involved with the Navigator Ministry and we were in a Bible study. We began to study scripture and there is where we began to grow as Christians. I was, we, we began to by studying Ephesians and we came to Ephesians 5 where it says, wives submit your husbands as unto the Lord. And I thought that was probably a good idea. Wasn't sure how to do it, but good idea. Then we went to First Peter, at what we're studying here now at Antioch, and uh, came to First Peter three and talked about the chaste and reverent behavior of the women with the calm, quiet attitudes. And I thought, oh boy, I really do need to work on this. So I got to work. But the truth of it is, we can change some things in our lives. That's just the way God made us. We're intelligently made. But there are some things in our lives that have, are so ingrained and have become such habits, we don't know where to start and how to change. And that is when God needs to step in, and I am so thankful that he did. And interestingly enough, this is how he started. He couldn't just answer my prayer, Lord, help me to be a submissive wife to Tom, because there were some things that needed to happen first. Changes in my life that needed to come. Wrong thinking that needed to be corrected. And this is the process he used. After five years of marriage and not making headway in that submission part. And by submission, I really mean respect. And it was really respect during our disagreements and the time, the, 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 my attitude, how I would share the looks on my face. And I had a mentor who one day told me that she had been respectful and submissive uh, or obedient to her father as she was growing up. And so when she got married, she just transferred that respect to her husband. Well, then I knew I was in trouble because I'd been a rebellious child when I was growing up, and I was not obedient and respectful of my father, and that is exactly what I transferred into our marriage, that disrespect. So after five years, I thought, you know, I'm getting nowhere 
After hours of Bible study and many, many memorized verses, like J.C. was talking about, a lot of knowledge, I wondered if I shouldn't start spending some daily time with God, like the people that were walking with God whose lives I respected. I really didn't want to. I didn't know how I could squeeze it in. But I decided that I would start praying and asking the Lord to give me a hunger and thirst for his word. And that was a prayer he answered immediately. And it has never left. A hunger and thirst for his word. And what I realized that, yes, I loved God. But it wasn't until then that I began to fall in love with him. I wanted to crawl up in his lap and spend time with him. So after the first week of doing that, we went to church. And the pastor was talking. He said, I want to talk to all of you adult children out there who were unhappy with the way you were raised. Unhappy with your parents, maybe your siblings, maybe the circumstances you grew up in. But you're angry with God because it just didn't seem fair. Well, if he'd asked us to raise our hands, I would have been one of them to raise my hand. And then he said, in no uncertain terms, you're being blasphemous. Because what you are saying is, God, you are not sovereign. You made a mistake. And I was aghast. There was no way I would have ever called God not sovereign. I knew he was. I just hadn't put it into that part of my life. And so I confessed sin immediately. Within the next week, we were driving down the freeway, and I was just being quiet and still. And in my mind came the thought, Melanie, you have a lack of respect for authority. And I thought, yeah, I think I do. I didn't respect my father's authority, which transferred to not respecting Tom's, which ultimately meant I didn't respect God's authority either. So I immediately confessed sin. And then I knew right then that I needed to contact my father and apologize for having been rebellious in my growing up years. We were living in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and my parents were in Oregon. Well, shortly a few days after that, Tom and I had a disagreement. And for the first time in our married life, I heard the check of the Holy Spirit say, now watch what you say, Melanie, watch how you say it, watch the look on your face, your body language. And I was surprised. I was shocked. I had never been reminded like that before. And I begin to realize uh, now, after, after the fact, in hindsight, I now know why. It's because my mind, my spiritual ears were stuffed with wrong thinking. I used to believe that you could walk obediently with God without spending time with him. And I used to believe that you could be disrespectful to the authorities that God put in your life, and it wouldn't affect you for the rest of your life in a negative way. And I also used to believe, what was that third thing? (laughs) I knew there was a reason why I I had to bring my notes. Oh, that questioning God's sovereignty didn't matter. So when I got those three things straightened, confessed and uh, agreed with with God, he then was able to speak to my heart and I could hear him. So we had that disagreement, and the very first time I blew it, I, I just did what I was in the, accustomed to doing. Well, a few days later, we had another disagreement. 
And again, the Holy Spirit checked me. And this time I thought, okay, I I don't think I can say anything respectfully right now, so I'm just going to listen respectfully. And that's what I did. But this knot in my stomach just got very, very tight and it was causing me a great deal of pain. But I still listened respectfully and left it at that. The next day I called my mentor and I said, I told her the situation. And she said, Melanie, you just keep obeying God and that knot will go away. Well, I want you to know we had a disagreement two more times after that. I knew I couldn't speak with respect, so I listened respectfully two more times. After that, we from then on were able to have a disagreement and talk like lovers and be kind. Oh, well, Tom wasn't the not kind one. I was the one not kind one. And, and I could respect the, the disagreement and hear his side and he would hear my side and It was beautiful. I had no idea that that was a possibility. And so I just wanted to share that with you to let you know that God has unique ways in working in our lives. And sometimes we pray for things for a long time. And they aren't answered because there are other things in our life that need to be straightened out before. So just go before him with an honest heart. And uh, he wants to change you more than you want to be changed. I can promise you that.